This podcast is brought to you by Kiefer Her. Whether you're feeling the effects of menopause or your menstrual cycle, discover what's key for you in less than five minutes with tailored supplement recommendations, information and insights on kieferher.com. Hi, I'm Renee. And I'm Donna. Welcome to the Key For Her podcast. In this series, we aim to educate and open up honest conversations with both medical professionals and real-life women. We want to shine a light on those topics that sometimes go unspoken about and help empower women to know what is key for their health and well-being. Thank you for joining us on this episode today of the Key For Her podcast. So today we talk to women's health expert, Quiva Hartley. Again, this is episode (laughs) two with Quiva. She's the founder of Menopause Health in Dublin, um, a specialized menopause health clinic. Her goal is to help women access the best advice and individualized care for all stages of their lives and perimenopause and menopause. So today we are focusing all on perimenopause and menopause. And thank you for joining us. Hello, hello, hello. Good hello, to be back. Reba. Thank you. <laughs> Tell us a bit about what you do at your clinic mm. and why you started it and why you saw the need um, for a specialized clinic in Dublin. Yeah, um, I th- I think looking at need first is probably is, is mm-hmm. the main thing. Um, I when I worked in um, I worked abroad, so I worked in in a lovely big women's clinic in Canada, and I did a lot of hormonal health and and specialized women's health there. And I remember noticing that a lot of women were kind of shoehorning in these symptoms just as they were leaving. So they would come in about something else. I have heavy periods or I have, you know, I need a prescription for X, Y, or Z. And as they were maybe leaving the room, they'd oh, mention, by the way. listen, just like, you know, it's probably not that important. There's probably nothing you can do about it, but I just thought I'd mention, um, or it would come up maybe during the consultation because they have heavy periods or they were having other symptoms. And I would mention that maybe this could be hormonal change related mm-hmm. to menopause. And, and they probably go, they <gasps> get their handbag and whack you across the head. Yeah, and say, how dare so you? How very dare you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it was number one, a really difficult conversation for that reason, if they weren't prepared, if it mm-hmm. hadn't occurred to them. And number two, it was often something they were implying, look, this isn't really important. I know there's nothing you can do, but... And their hand is sort of on the door handle and you kind of feel like saying to them, sit back down. Sit back down. <laughs> this is a big discussion. And actually, this is maybe where you start future planning for the rest of your life, for yeah. your this health This is more important than forward. what you came in with. <laughs> yeah, that thing on your toe can wait because yeah. this is actually really, you know. Yeah. And so I felt it, so we started offering appointments for menopause specifically and realized that like really quickly we were just kind of overrun and it just became really obvious there was a demand then. Yeah. Um, and so that just translated when I came home to Ireland. Same idea. I think women here were equally challenged to find the time, you know, and I, my background is general practice and GPs are given 10 or 15 minute appointments, mm-hmm. um, which are, it's just really hard. How do you cover yeah. something yeah. so broad and so individual, mm. you know, in such a short space of time? Because how, how so. many symptoms are there? Well, is you know, just, like I don't, you can't even put a number on it in yeah, a way. And, yeah. and one of the problems, I think we kind of spoke a little bit about things like puberty and that kind of thing previously and how, and I keep sort of, I'm a stuck record, like everything is a spectrum, but it is. And that's the problem with menopause as well, that it is so variable and so individual. It affects people in so many different ways. They're probably thinking, 
I don't have hot flushes or night sweats and my periods haven't stopped. That's I'm I, good. I'm, I'm yeah. not in perimenopause. Um, but discuss maybe like the age of where it can actually start and how far out perimenopause can start before actual menopause. Because there's women that are in their late 30s or early 40s that are getting these symptoms and they're just, they actually just think they've turned into a hypochondriac when actually like, and they're feeling bad mm. and they don't know why. And they have these random list of symptoms and they don't really, they, it just hasn't triggered with them that it actually could be perimenopause. Yeah. And you can't even put an age limit on it in, mm-hmm. in either direction. But um, if you're looking at averages, so usually anything from the age of about 40, but typically it's more from 45, mm-hmm. just average. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're right. Women as young as in their late 30s or early 40s can start having symptoms because of hormonal changes. changes. Um, and it, again, if you're looking at statistics, you know, 1% of women, their periods will stop. They'll be fully menopausal. Their ovarian function will stop under the age of 40. And it's about 5% under the age of 45. So they're small numbers. Mm. Yeah. But they're women who have, they're gr- they've ground to a halt with their ovarian function. Okay. There's all these other women then who are at that age, their um, ovarian production of these hormones is not what it used to be. It's much more variable. It fluctuates more and they're getting symptoms as a consequence of that. Okay. Yeah. Because the like, let's talk about the symptoms as well, because it's not just, you know, night sweats or hot flashes like like my symptoms started at around 37 38 and I'd noticed like dry eyes my bladder wasn't like it used to be you know um brain fog just just these random kind of things coming in my cycle being off by maybe a couple of days but it was never really regular like to start with it was always like you know out by a few days so I never felt like I, I was in perimenopause um it just felt like oh, sure, these are just a couple of things that are just happening to me now. Like, so I think it's important for women to realize that um, just be open minded about it, because mm. the sooner you realize what it is, the sooner you could possibly do something about it. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's not a fixed point of time. It's not like mm-hmm. you go, you know, I'm, I'm a normal menstrual cycle normal 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 oh look I'm perimenopausal and that's it everything's yeah. changed and then you're that for a few years and then look, my periods have stopped and that's it what we're actually looking we're, like it's not really your periods that are the important bit yeah. of this in a way it's what your ovaries are doing in the background yeah. and we're using your periods just as a way of kind of reflecting what's going on in the background but you can have normal regular periods yeah. as in they're not varying by more than seven days yeah. month to month but in the background start seeing some hormonal change and women who are sensitive to that, and that's genetics. Yeah. It's not personality. It's not, you know, it's it's all genetics. Like they've shown even PMS is probably genetic. And women who get worse PMS, it's because of genetics. Um, so if you're more sensitive to that hormonal change, you will start to see these subtle changes mm-hmm. in how you feel month to month much mm-hmm. earlier than, you know, and than other women. And they just creep in over time and you hardly realize. And then all of a sudden you just wake up one day and went, oh, light bulb moment something's changed something's changed because we have a list here of a lot of um symptoms that um you know women are experiencing like insomnia disrupted sleep more intense pms thinning hair brain fog weight gain especially around their middle a lot of them talk about that skin and hair changes like with dryness and itchiness dry eyes dry mouth 
painful bladder, tingling fingers, low so mood. This is going to take up the whole episode. <laughs> I know, keep going. but a lot of people sounds just, delightful, doesn't yeah, it? And yeah, and like, I suppose they're you know it might be reduced libido or more UTIs or like but hang on a minute now we're going to terrify everybody so let's rewind (laughs) Rewind. okay for a minute let's pull it back but and let's start with the basics yeah okay because I think it's good to understand right why those things are happening yeah Yeah. like what's going on what's what's causing these random changes yeah yeah why is this happening to me yeah um so essentially your ovaries have a timeline and as they age at some point and that point is different for everyone they don't have the same number of follicles at the beginning of every cycle. And so mm. you start producing less estrogen. Early on in this process, your brain is aware of that. It's like, oh, something has changed. You're not producing a follicle like you or follicles like you used to. And it releases hormones to sort of stimulate your ovaries more. And the problem is that in younger women and early in perimenopause, you're kind of good at responding to that increased stimulation. Okay. And so now you overproduce at times. And so the range of your estrogen level is no longer, you know, between X and Y. It's swinging <laughs> higher at, at some times and lower at others. And the variation between those two amounts is much more dramatic than it was several years ago. Mm. And so it's like going from, you know, some bumps on the road to driving to being on a roller coaster, yeah. you know, and much bigger dips and much bigger highs. And when you're overproducing estrogen, we see breast tenderness, we see bloating, we see headaches big drops in these hormones they're what cause PMS to begin with if that drop gets more and more and more and more dramatic and more steep those PMS symptoms get worse yeah and that's what perimenopause is essentially because a lot of women like they tell us that they're in their their PMS seems to be really intensified to the point where they're feeling a bit like rage and stuff yeah sometimes yeah I hear that a lot yeah affect people's relationships as well um if they can't understand really what's going on and I think it's really important for them to talk to their partner or trusted friend or family and that they don't have control it. over it necessarily yeah. mm. you know we usually break it down into so you know there, there's mood and emotional symptoms and it's quite common to get anxiety and depression mm. rage irritability those kind of symptoms through perimenopause they're probably more common in perimenopause than they are in menopause, menopause. because when you get to menopause you just don't produce any estrogen but you kind of you're stable Okay. It's like it's it's the same month to month mm-hmm. and your brain prefers that whereas the fluctuating hormonal environment it doesn't like so half as much. It's making you far more um say like irritable, mm-hmm. emotional, low mood. Yeah. Does it affect your energy? Yeah, it can mm-hmm. do. Yeah, absolutely. just think of PMS in general yeah. and how that tends to affect everybody differently and mm-hmm. some people get more physical symptoms. They get the breast tenderness and bloating and they get cramping and or they get tired and other women you know they find well actually physically I'm okay but my mood is awful or whatever it might be how do you group these symptoms then like you said there about these kind of emotional symptoms or mood what are the other how do you group them all into different so mood and emotional your kind of mental health almost symptoms then you have physical symptoms so that's sort of everything in between Mm -hmm. your you know dry skin dry eyes hot flushes night sweats which can happen even before your periods have stopped um we see joint aches and pains can be common lots of theories as to why that is estrogen is a very weak Mm anti-inflammatory that might play a role Mm -hmm. um we see changes in um your dental health now that's more with menopause than it would be with perimenopause um when you actually don't produce estrogen anymore um even ibs irritable bowel syndrome 
palpitations really common yeah. as well and so on yeah. um i've heard of people ending up in the emergency mm. room because of those and they're saying everything looks normal and they're like it doesn't feel normal i know and but like yeah. worth getting checked out so oh, we always advocate if your palpitations get them checked out but if everything else has been ruled out it's often a hormonal issue because it's hard to measure that in the a yeah. and e you know mm-hmm. and then genitourinary symptoms so yes. That's your vaginal dryness, changes in how pleasurable or comfortable sex is, um, peeing frequently, needing to get up at nighttime where you didn't before, incontinence. The truth is, because it does sound, I totally agree, sounds absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. However, most women get, uh, you know, a sprinkling of all of these. They mm-hmm. don't get mm-hmm. every, they're not getting everything. They're not getting everything. Yeah. Some just, women do, but they're yeah. unusual. Yeah. Yeah. And some women, about a fifth of women, have their periods stop. They don't get hot flushes and night sweats. Their symptoms are tolerable and don't have an impact on their quality of life. That's a yeah. fifth. Like, it's not yeah, a small really percentage. Part of yeah, I know that <laughs> part do. of the fifth. <laughs> I think I already know I'm not. <laughs> but important to know that. Like, you know, if you're sitting listening yeah. to this, that like, it's not like I'm telling you, every woman is going to get all of these symptoms. Yeah. These are all the possible symptoms. Mm-hmm. And whether you get them or you don't is really... Individual. It's like the menstrual cycle. You're not going to exactly. get absolutely gonna... everything. You yeah. might get, like you said, a sprinkle of some symptoms. And, yeah, depends you know, on the person. For yeah. some people, it's more severe. Uh, for others, they can sail through it. So I suppose it's just to be aware of what's happening to your body and to, you know yourself better than anybody and to, to recognize if you're feeling off. Yeah. yeah and to join the dots I think yes. because I agree with you that if you're not getting the hot flushes and night sweats which are the kind of classic that's what everybody thinks of mm-hmm. when you think of menopause yeah. you know I'll get women who come in and they'll say look I'm not sure this is connected but every four weeks I get x y and z I'm like well there's a cyclical pattern like this is definitely hormonal and will be you know is manageable mm-hmm. so what's the average age to hit menopause and if you can just explain menopause versus perimenopause I think that's because really perimenopause important. is kind of a new word for people and they they're only they only might have heard of menopause for years or going through the changes <laughs> yeah and all, all these other yeah, said, like, yeah that but, time of your life yeah and, all, yeah. and uh, I think we need to talk about you know what exactly happens at each time you know this what is perimenopause what is menopause so perimenopause is your ovaries trying to keep the show on the road they're trying <laughs> to ovulate once a month okay. and they're Your struggling with a clipboard <laughs> come yeah. on you can and do half it. the staff haven't turned up <laughs> she's pep talking them they're not listening you know and and so early on like i said you because you can you because you have reserve in your ovaries they respond really well to the stimulation but often they over respond and that creates its own issues. But with time, they respond less and less to your brain's production of this hormone FSH to stimulate mm-hmm. them until eventually they don't res- respond at all. They've got no estrogen. We, you know, we're out. Our follicles are done. We've got nothing. Leave me okay. alone. And you stop ovulating. So the word menopause just means your final period. But we don't know it's your final period until you've gone 12 months with no bleeding. Yes. So it's a it's a diagnosis that you make looking backwards. You know, mm-hmm. so after a year, you can look back and think, oh, that was my menopause a year mm-hmm. ago. Everything from that point on, you are post menopausal. So you were just after your last period. That's all so that means. Twelve months of no period. Then you're post menopausal. Is the menopause year? Basically, yeah. yeah. And actually, that's where a lot of women are at their most symptomatic. The mm-hmm. year before your final period and the year after your final period. Okay. That's when hot flushes tend to peak. Mm-hmm. And the okay. average age is 50-51. And the lead up to that, where things are really turbulent, that's perimenopause. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to, to kind of, it's impossible to draw a start 
line mm. on that and things can like perimenopause really messes with your head because yeah. you can be symptomatic for a few months and then things even out mm. your ovaries sort of find their groove again for a few months your symptoms go away you think oh I was going mad or I've just imagined it and then it happens again mm. and then those times of being symptomatic become more and more frequent until eventually you're symptomatic all the time yeah and the penny drops and you're like and then you're okay, like Aha. okay I need to go see Dr. Creva there you go yeah <laughs> And so that's the, that's what happens. So it's just this gradual, but it's not a fixed point in time. And even mm. after your final period, you still produce little blips of estrogen. Yeah. Really, and younger women, like women under the age of 40 whose periods stop, and we measure their levels and we say, oh, this is premature ovarian insufficiency, which is the kind of technical term for mm. really premature menopause. They can still ovulate and like they can still get pregnant. There's a, I think it's two or 3% per year is the rate of pregnancy after a diagnosis of POI. So, um, surprise. Well, so you have to plan around that if it's, you know, but it's not not fixed. You know what I mean? Like it's not kind of, well, you're done and they'll never go back to normal. You can still see blips happening. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, some people's periods get lighter and some people's periods get heavier yeah and tell us about this thing that's called flooding because sometimes it can happen to some people i suppose maybe they haven't Mm. had a period maybe in a couple of months perhaps and maybe the lining is it is Mm. it because it's just building up and it was just sitting there waiting for a long time (laughs) lovely mental image thank you for that yeah (laughs) it's like uh so what what happens and you know, I suppose, do they need to prepare and make sure they have a pad all the time in their they, bed? They, need, or, to, or they many need to go pads? chat to their GP is what they yes. need to do if they're having that. Yeah. So yeah. We, we had talked before about kind of, well, how do you, how do you classify a heavy, what is a heavy period? And I was saying, oh, it's 80 mils, but no one actually goes around, thankfully, measuring their mm. blood loss. And it, it's more to do with the impact it has. Yeah. But there are two, th- so flooding and clots are two things that we do use as a kind of mm. reflection that your periods are a bit that's heavy bleeding if that's happening flooding just means no matter what I wear I go through it yeah okay so I have a pad on I have a tampon and I'm still going I'm still leaking through that that's what flooding is and sometimes it can happen in this perimenopause phase or more commonly yeah yeah and so about a third to a fifth of women will have really heavy bleeding like problematic bleeding at some point in their life Mm -hmm. which is incredibly common if you think about it but there's a a, lot of women that is a lot of women I agree yeah and but a peak incidence so most of that is happening at perimenopause okay and it's to do with, you know, we had talked about like, oh, you have to make a certain amount of estrogen and then, you you know, this other hormone, progesterone, mm-hmm. to make your nice kind of, you know, put, well put together lining and then it all comes away in a nice uniform way. Because perimenopause is just a mess. I'm making yeah. X amount of estrogen today, but I'll make a different amount tomorrow and it's just mm-hmm. all over the place. And you may not be ovulating, so you may not okay. be producing this other hormone, progesterone. Mm-hmm. All you do then is just thicken the lining and then thicken it more and then thicken it again. And then okay. eventually you get so thick it's not sustainable and you okay. have this really heavy period. Okay. okay. Yeah. I think that's an interesting one to explain to people because mm. sometimes they so don't realise. if you're realize... not getting your period or it's irregular, that thick, that lining is still thickening up. So, so be prepared. So when the next one comes, it could be quite heavy. Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, for some women, as they get closer to their actual final period... Mm. They're not producing a huge amount of estrogen to so begin with. Yeah, exactly. So which is why the periods lighter. get lighter. Yeah. Yes. But in early perimenopause, in particular, it's heavier and more frequent periods is what we mm. see. Okay. Okay. Um, our next question is that we've heard that women have maybe gone to their own GP and had spoken about their symptoms, but they ended up being 
told you should take a sleeping tablet or an antidepressant when really what they really wanted was HRT. And um, how can the, those symptoms kind of be similar in perimenopause? Do you know what I mean? Like perhaps they could get mistaken for something else when really it is a perimenopause symptom. Yeah, I think like I think it's useful to I discuss with everyone who comes in. Look, there's three different avenues and they're not all exclusive. You mm. can do all three or you can choose what suits you yeah, best. Mix and match. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's my pick and mix bag. Yes. Here's my buffet for you. Yes. Right. So number one, you have lifestyle um, approach. And so things like reducing alcohol and caffeine and exercising more. And we talk through all of that. Yeah. Things like cognitive behavioral therapy can be yes. really helpful for the mood and anxiety symptoms. Your second behind door number two, then you have non-hormonal options okay. and that would be things like antidepressants and they do have a role. Yeah. We've gone a bit, we sort of swung the other way almost that like they're the devil and no one should be on them when actually they can be really effective. Okay. They're really safe. Yeah. So they should still be on the table because they're really appropriate for some women. Mm-hmm. And then, and then your third option is hormone therapy, which for younger women is sometimes in the form of the pill. So it doesn't have to be HRT in, mm. in inverted commas but um and sometimes it's all three okay I'll do my CBT I'm going to change some lifestyle things I'm going to start an antidepressant because my mood is just so pervasively low yeah and maybe I take some HRT as well yeah. or some other version of that mix it doesn't matter it depends on the person okay. but there's crossover yeah you know? yeah it's like finding it's the right mix for everybody yeah. 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 when it, it comes to, be... to HRT tell us about what options there are are because we hear about estrogen and then we hear about progesterone and then like vaginal estrogen as well and testosterone Mm. so what like explain a little bit I suppose more so if you think of what you're trying to do with HRT so a woman who is menopausal my periods have stopped I'm not producing any of my own estrogen anymore that's where the R in HRT is it's hormone replacement we're literally trying to give her back some estrogen that she's not making herself anymore perimenopause is a lot more kind of complicated Mm -hmm. and challenging Um, and essentially what you're trying to do is calm that hormonal environment down so you're trying to make the roller coaster go back to kind of like a more smooth the kids roller coaster exactly yeah like teacups (laughs) you're aiming for teacups right so um that level of sort of turbulence and bump yeah and we do that by giving your brain this constant supply of like the safety net of estrogen so your brain interprets that as like oh we're not running out of estrogen at all all is well everything's good you know, that little four woman in your brain goes off to have a cup of tea and stops screaming at your ovaries. So they stop overproducing estrogen. Okay. At times they stop having dips because you've given them this kind of safety net. And the hope is the hormonal environment becomes a bit more stable. And you're also safety netting women from the beginning of bone density loss, which starts when we start losing Mm -hmm. estrogen. And the other changes that we'll probably talk about in more depth at another time and not today but um so that's why that they're you know they're used in different for different reasons at different points in your life not everyone needs everything it's like that what you said it's a pick it's a mix and match yeah need a bit of that with um proper nutrition perhaps even some supplements as well like it might be a good idea for someone to go for basically an mot or slash nct Mm. uh like of your body really yeah at the doctor and just see where you are at that point of time you know and just get an overall health check uh, and see where you are and do you provide that 
as well in in your clinic well we do because we talk yeah. to women about cardiovascular risks so we talk you know we check their cholesterol we do their blood pressure we look at other risk factors we talk to them about smoking cessation all that kind of thing mm-hmm. and then screening becomes really important so cervical smear screening from your mid-20s from the age of 25 onwards um and so you want to keep that up a lot of women i think mistakenly think when my periods have stopped i don't need that's brilliant now no more smears for mm-hmm. me but actually you need to keep going so we'd recommend cervical screening then from your mid-20s till you're at the age of 65 and then mammogram screening starts at 50 for most women every two years till you are 69 and every then, two years every two years well, yeah 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 you get from, your boob squished, squished. <laughs> <laughs> you never had a mammogram i actually had to because um last year I had squeezed a tiny spot that was on my boob here and <laughs> it obviously kind of went under the skin and it oh. felt like like a tiny, tiny little lump. So obviously I had to go and get it checked and I did. And they said, no, that's nothing sinister. You squeezed Stop that squeezing spot. Your boobs. Stop squeezing your boob. And I was like, Sorry. I actually did a TikTok about that and yeah. it went viral. It and uh, yeah, so stop squeezing your boobs. Stop squeezing your boobs. So I squeezed a little spot and it, it the skin had gotten a little bit hard underneath. But yes, they I had to go into the Galway clinic and they checked it and everything. But I did get a mammogram and it was like, whoa, Squeezy. 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 <laughs> yeah. I had one recently, yeah. yeah. And um same idea and it thankfully turned out to be nothing, but uh but yeah, they're squeezy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're squeezy, like, aren't they? Well, oh, very right. squeezy. <laughs> I I find it fascinating of this buffet and options that you hmm. give to women. And hmm. I think that that sounds absolutely amazing. And obviously that's the differentiation between your clinic and what has been available in the past. Because yeah. I'm guessing you came here and went, Oh my god, so basic and they're not getting the time and the options. Yeah. I think it's time is probably the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think in to general. Listen. Just to listen it. to yeah. what their stories are because they're all so different. But again, in a general practice setting for most GPs, how do you do that when you only have, know. you know, whatever amount of time? What's it's not, the time allocated in a general? Depends on the GP surgery, yeah. but 10 to 15 minutes, mm. you know, and then you're, you're like under pressure to do that in, you know. Um, <laughs> Roll out your list really quick. Like. Just tick everything that applies to That's you. That's actually a good idea. Anyone that does go to you, do you like for them to have a little list because sometimes when you're in a setting like that that you're trying to say everything they might actually forget something it's a good idea you know to yeah we all differ actually Mm -hmm. um dr nick heron aoife who works with me she uses a symptom checker so Mm -hmm. she will ask patients to come in and they have and i think it really organizes their thoughts and it probably focuses the consultation nicely Mm -hmm. i'm a bit more (laughs) loosey-goosey with it and so like i um so it just depends on your own preference but i find I prefer the kind of conversational like it just kind of comes up as we're chatting yeah. and I'll ask them then if yeah, yeah if I think they might have left something out or they haven't mentioned say vaginal dryness or something I'll yeah. ask them you know yeah. um so it just depends what way you like to practice and it depends on the patients some patients like to come in with their folder you know they have <laughs> their stuff prepared and they have their symptoms written down and others are again a bit more kind of I'm not really sure why I'm here and then as they're chatting it all kind of comes out you okay. know I suppose it evolves from your first the person, chat yeah. with them yeah. and what they need for themselves and I love the way that it's so uh, personalized and individualized for her and what she's going through this podcast is brought to you by our very own brand key for her Whether you're feeling the effects of menopause or your menstrual cycle, discover what's key for you in less than five minutes with tailored supplement recommendations, information and insights on keyforher.com. Please have 20% off on us by using the promo code KEYPODCAST in all capitals. 
So what way does that work then? Does she come into you regularly if you find that she is more than likely in perimenopause? What, where does it begin? Okay, so that um, obviously depends on the person, but usually what we'll do is we'll meet someone for an initial consultation, which is 40 or 45 minutes, and then we will bring them back if they're starting a new medication. Typically, if it's hormone therapy, we'll bring them back after three to four months. Okay. And then if they're doing well at that point, which most people are, thankfully, we'll see them every six months after that. Brilliant. So like the time alone that they're getting is far more. So it sounds like if you are experiencing symptoms, going to your clinic and getting the time to actually speak and talk about how you're feeling. Sit in my dentist's chair. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully get it the right way around. (laughs) Um, My bladder was my first perimenopause Mm. symptom. And I woke up one morning and it was like unbelievably sore. But I, I been out to a restaurant the night before and I had a glass of a fizzy drink and it took me a long time to actually realize fizzy drinks alcohol and coffee were really irritating my bladder but a lot of the time if I had it on the day I wouldn't feel it until I woke up the next morning okay my bladder being really full feeling and irritated yeah and I actually had been to the doctor saying what's wrong here and all these tests were coming back negative oh but I remember at the time they said how are your periods officer grant and then that was it I really wish they had pushed me more on symptoms and you know pushed more on like this could be perimenopause because I could have saved myself an awful lot of hassle like four or five years ago you know I think it's just to ask the questions really join join the dots join the dots and it's only by looking backwards yeah that you're able to understand what's what's happening what's going on yeah Yeah. when it comes to like hot flashes and sleep disturbances um that's quite often a a symptom quite common would they be the kind of in the top three what are the top three yeah what are the main things that you see Um, yeah i think hot flashes and and night sweats are probably number one okay um and because that's about 70 or 80 percent of women will get them mm-hmm. at some point and, and then is it like mood do you think or... i'd say mood probably is in the top three mm. and i'd say sleep is probably in the top three those and so joint aches and pains are good then it affects everything See, they're else. connected because if yes. you're waking up with night sweats obviously you're going to have sleep disturbance and then you're going to feel like crap and so your mood is and your energy will be low mm. then as well mm. and then if their energy is low then there might be reaching for these high sugar treats to try give them a bit of a pick me up yeah. and uh, you're on this kind of roller coaster and caffeine and then caffeine. you start peeing more yeah. and then like it's just a vicious circle yeah one of the kind of fundamentals about treating women at this point in their life is to look at sleep yes and some people no bother at all vast majority have definitely noticed a change in their sleep pattern and it's either because they've genuinely lost their normal sleep pattern so your melatonin mm-hmm. production changes and their ability to stay asleep changes so they're waking at three or four in the morning and they can't get back to sleep or they're being woken by needing to pee or night sweats or restless or legs very or, um loud snoring noises because don't you become I have more no pill for that <laughs> annoying partner you're more awareness of like noises apparently yeah. and um is that right your perception of, we've heard of taste and sound can change in very menopause and God, it's I more heightened didn't know and that but but it makes a lot of sense of what like TikTok it does yeah where I was just like <clears throat> listening to this crunching sound, you know, and it, it 
went viral because so many people could <laughs> and I'm sitting there pretending to eat and you know he's making this crunching sound as though and I'm like ugh and so many people have said they can't same, stand same, same. certain yeah. sounds now I already sudden, have that like it's screwed. like this rude yeah. <laughs> same yeah yeah it can be quite annoying these symptoms can be kind of crazy so yeah. we talked all about symptoms and all about how uh, the menopause starts and what it's all about and I suppose going forward now you're gonna give us all this amazing information about you know specific things as we go through perimenopause and menopause um like the different options more in depth about HRT and and other things like that but I suppose it it seems very negative and it's something that we 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 want to communicate that it's not all bad for everybody and you don't get everything and and we should look at this as a as a positive new phase in life and how how does a woman approach that in a more positive way it I suppose instead of looking at it negatively yeah I think knowing that there are options so it doesn't have to be something to, that you're scared of because we can treat it and yeah. regardless of whether it is the mental health issues or it's physical issues or it's vaginal issues we have treatments for all of that it's just a conversation to be had so there's no reason to be scared of and it and there's a whole yeah. clinic now <laughs> many of them more than just me yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah. We've lo- and we've loads of GPs who are more interested now in being kind of Which is trained great. up and yeah. yeah so it is great so there's loads of help out there women are talking about it more I think that's brilliant mm-hmm. I think that's empowering for women as yeah. they go through this I think feeling like there's kind of a almost like a group think they're all in it together mm. you know I think that's really important um and like any phase of your life it comes with pros and cons mm. and benefits and and another and downsides like any any change in life but um yeah definitely not something to be scared of and not something to kind of uh, you know put your head down and avoid I think chat about it talk about it reach out and the sooner you do something about it definitely whether it be lifestyle changes or you know um visiting you or anything else that can fit in like and more self-care I think people need to like look after themselves a bit more and put themselves first they've spent their whole lives looking after everybody else and they might have aging parents as well now and there's a lot of stresses in their life so the more things they can do now just to make it all a little bit easier the better totally agree yeah Yeah. so what are your three key tips for perimenopause and menopause okay uh number one and um reminiscent of the last um time we talked about this but i think um you know embracing the information that's there educating yourself um and knowing what to expect knowing what are red flags and things that you should be maybe reaching out for help for um and uh and and preparing yourself with that knowledge is really important i think um i think discussion is is so Mm -hmm. essential i think just normalizing it and knowing okay god that's really interesting some women have loads of symptoms you know my neighbor had no symptoms and I have tons of symptoms and Mm. and kind of getting a feel for the more we talk about it the more we see this beautiful array of individuality that happens with menopause happening around us yeah Yeah. and like and I think that takes away a lot of the fear Mm. potentially Um, and there's a sense of community with that which I think is really important and look for the positives Yes. Maybe yeah. your kids are a bit more grown up and so you have a bit more free time. Maybe you've reached a part of your career where you're a bit more independent or you're, you know, you know, it's more challenging or more rewarding in your career and embrace that and know that the symptoms holding you back are not something that you have to put up with. Mm-hmm. So look for the positives. 
Fantastic. Yeah. So thanks a million for coming in to talk to us today. And we are so delighted to have you in as our resident health expert. Um, if anyone wants to find Quiva or chat to her, you can go onto her website, which is menopausehealth.ie. You can find her on social media as well. And we're looking forward to all the juicy chats that we're going to have again in the future. <laughs> thanks very much. Thank thanks. you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Key For Her podcast. We'd be so grateful if you could hit subscribe, rate and share this podcast with your friends. For tips, tricks and hacks and all things perimenopause, menopause, periods, menstrual cycles and skin health, follow us at Key For Her on TikTok and Instagram. Check out our website keyforher.com for more information.